0: hello and welcome to the reach out podcast i'm your host i'm Stu Within. joining me always co-host head of reach out kirstie eaton hello
1: hello you alright? i'm good
0: you Can seem I'm to be victorian talking all right was the uh you do look very smart and very, very um yeah very victorian mm-hmm. um you've been the dentist today i mean you're not sort of talking with like swollen chops i take it it was just a checkup
1: yeah, it was, but I was really looking forward to it because they normally give me like a proper clean and I've not been able to floss for the last few weeks. I've kind of let it go. And my, my, you know, those lovely gaps that you get when you go to the dentist, they've all closed up. And I was looking forward to being, in fact, they're being opened up. That sounds a bit dodgy and all. Um, but she didn't. She just took a couple of x-rays and then decided to book me in with the hygienist for 50 quid to do what she would have done anyway. So yeah, I suppose it's i suppose it's handy, isn't it? Because otherwise I would have been lisping and sounding
0: like you so yeah I know that was quite funny for you shut up a <laughs> bit of observational comedy there <laughs> <laughs> anyway um i give me loads of pleasure today to me um not just a fellow podcaster but a mate um it's tom davies hello
2: hello mate how are you doing
0: it's good yeah i'm good it's um i feel like we've seen a lot of each other lately
2: it has been a bit like that hasn't it yeah, yeah yeah weekly occurrence at the moment
0: uh chris and uh chris who is um a co-host on our college team podcast um we got to uh have a good good chat and a catch-up and guest on tom's uh podcast and we'll, we'll obviously find out more about the podcast as uh, as this one unfolds um yeah well i'll tell you what we always start this the same way if i say the words mental health to you tom what do you think about it straight away
2: um That's a really good question. It's a big question there. Mental health is, I've kind of, I suppose, um, mental health is my number one priority um, in the world. It's the one thing that I I prioritize it above everything else. And whenever I say that, people always kind of raise a bit of an eyebrow because um, I've got two children, I've got a wife, I've got a business, I've got all these other hats that I have to wear. Um, But for a very long time, I put all those other things in front of my mental health and it didn't really work out very well at all. And now I put my mental health first. And funnily enough, I'm a much better dad. I'm a much better husband. I'm much better at all the other things that I have to be. Um, So that's probably the... It's always at the the forefront of my mind. um, But uh, yeah, I'm always checking in with myself, always monitoring it, always thinking, how can I do this better? What's going on with me right now? Um, because I know what it's like to have mental health that deteriorates to the point where it's sort of not good for much at all. Um, and so, yeah, for me, that's what mental health means to me. It's that it's like my main focus in life really is to try and look after my mental health.
0: God, it's good, isn't it? He <laughs> should start a podcast about this, shouldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when did you first realize or notice that maybe all wasn't quite as well as it could have been and talk I can... me through sorry i'm going to load the question a little bit here. talk me through how you tried to cope with it and what your coping mechanisms were at that point
2: yeah sure um so i can be really really precise because my kind of um my problems really started around the birth of my son. So that would have been May. He was born on the 8th of May 2016. So pretty much from then, really, um, from that date. And I now know from um, a lot of therapy and a lot of work and a lot of doing all the things that I have had problems with my mental health for a long, long time, um, certainly since my teens, um, if not before. But that was really I kind of, I thought those things were personality defaults. I didn't realise that it was a mental health thing. I just thought I was really, really weird. And I tried very, very hard to stop other people realising that I was weird. But What in 20- would be an
0: example of that?
2: Um, I'm a massive overthinker. Um, I can get really, really hung up on really, really tiny things, you know. So anxiety, my anxiety is like it's low level. It's constant. And it means that I'm very high functioning. So like my drive is both a gift and a curse. And um, so that's always been a thing with me always been all or nothing. Um, get very um, nervous in certain situations, anything where I have to if I so for instance, for my work, right, it's very normal for me to stand up in front of a room full of people 30, 40 people and talk. And if you asked me to do that, I probably wouldn't even plan what I was going to say, you know, I can just fall into that role, I wouldn't even get nervous. If you two invited me in person to go and have a cup of coffee, that would be very challenging for me. So anything where I'm not fulfilling a role, anything where I'm not, uh, where I'm kind of relying on me rather than what I do, if that makes sense. um, That's kind of, that's how it works for me. And that's always been the the case. Always, when I was a kid, I worried too much what people thought about me. Um, You know, I would... Experience periods of low moods, which I now know was like depression, you know, but I just get really, really sad for no reason. Um, yeah, and just worrying and overthinking and getting myself in a mess.
1: Oh, um, Tom, I feel like I'm looking in the mirror. Everything <laughs> you're saying, honestly, I'm I'm completely and utterly blown away. You're saying oh. stuff that I have never heard of before, and I'm drawing parallels left, right, and center. My God. And I'm sure this is going to be the same for a number of our listeners as well.
2: I mean, that's why I love talking about mental health, because it doesn't matter what you've experienced, um, because of the human element of it, right? So there's always crossover. So even if you're talking to someone who's got like a diagnosis of an illness that is completely different to what you've experienced, there'll be something in there. You go, Oh, yeah, I can, I can see that, you know. Um yeah. it's, it's why it's so important to have these conversations, right? But um, at the risk of disappearing off on a on a tangent. Yeah, 2016, May, my son was born and I just couldn't cope with it. And um, I had a breakdown and I, I really don't like the term breakdown because that that makes it sound as if it was this big dramatic um, emotional explosion like you see on the telly or something. And it was really slow and it was really subtle and life just got very, very hard. Um, I think up until that point, there'd been a, a drip in the basement, you know, and then that pipe just burst. That was the final thing was my son being born. And I couldn't, I couldn't cope with it. I couldn't. Well, first of all, there's all the usual stuff that everyone experiences, the, the stress, the worry, the sleep of having a, a baby in the house. But it wasn't there wasn't enough room in me to absorb that extra stress and that extra worry. Um, plus, as an overthinker and a worrier, it just it ended me like my brain couldn't keep up with the amount of um, crazy thoughts that were going around at my head. And I started to feel um, I was stressed all the time. Uh, That kind of manifested in a lot of rage and a lot of anger is one of the few emotions I'm actually like quite comfortable with. Um, And I'd get very short tempered and it just yeah, it just wasn't nice. Lots of tears for no reason at all. Um, Yeah. And it just kind of got worse. As for coping mechanisms, none, not one. Bury it down. Pretend it's not happening. Please don't let anyone phone out, you know, find out about it. That was kind of my only strategy. Um, but the reason my podcast is called Proper Mental is because I thought I was going proper mental. That's my That was my only words for it. I didn't know what mental health was. I didn't know that you could go to a doctor with these things. That was not on my radar that I could ring my GP and say, like, I'm having some really dark thoughts here. I didn't know that was a thing. Didn't know what mental health was. Nothing at all. I thought I was going mad. And if I spoke up then that'd be it. Then cuckoo's nest, you know, I'm getting locked up. They're going to take this new baby away from me, all that sort of stuff. That's what I was scared of. So I just kind of tried to pretend that nothing was, (laughs) that nothing was wrong. I'll look back now. I don't know how I did it. She'd give me an Oscar, but um, yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, Bravo, uh, absolutely.
0: At that point, um, did you, did you have anyone that you felt you could talk to and, and I'll load this as well. And had you had any experience of anybody ever talking to you about feeling low at that point?
2: Yeah, I, I'd never heard anyone discuss having mental health issues ever. It just wasn't like, to say it wasn't on my radar. Is it like it couldn't have been further? It just never occurred to me. Because it's you know? not that long ago, is it? No, no, not at all. Not mm. at all. Um, yeah, I didn't didn't know any of this. I mean, I knew that people got depression and I knew that people had psychosis and I knew people took their own lives of course I knew these things existed but it wasn't I don't know something you see on a film or something it wasn't in something that
1: happens to other people it just it couldn't have been further away from your reality at that time
2: very much so yeah and if it was happening to other people it was certainly no one that I knew as well you know so it was not even yeah I just hadn't um hadn't heard of these things at all and I didn't really have anyone I could I could speak to partly because I thought I was going mad and I thought I really don't need to be locked up um so I'm, if I say anything that's it I'm done for
0: did you think that could like have an, in- an impact on like your career i'm thinking 100% like that?
2: yeah yeah i thought why would you know, why would anyone, you know, I'm a coach. I work one-to-one with people. I thought, why would anyone come and work one-to-one with like the lunatic down the road? Um, I thought, how are people going to think that I'm safe to look after this baby? You know, they're going to they're gonna come along. They're going to see I'm not safe. They're going to take this child. My wife is going to leave me. Why would she stay married to someone who thinks these things about himself? Um, you know, and that, like, I think because it happened around the birth of my son as well. And, you know, my wife had just been through like this, like hell in the delivery room even like it was a good labor it was a safe labor but it was still hell right and um how did then i turn around to her and say i feel a bit a a little bit sad babe that's you totally know like yeah. like it doesn't yeah. it made no sense do you know what I mean like it, it just felt like I had to kind of like no hang on a minute she's just been through this thing and now I need to hold this shit together mm. you know I, I because I have to because I have to because I can't say or oh, my emotions are a bit all over the place when she's had this physical thing
1: I just want to say I don't want to shine the light on me at all but I just want to share with you um the, the uh, deterioration of my own mental health. And when I first realized that I was struggling with my mental health, it was so, was near to the date. Um, the same as yours is, uh for me. Sorry, I didn't articulate that very well at all because Stu so rudely coughed and distracted me. Um, so my mental health started to go downhill at the birth of my daughter, which was the 14th of May, 2016 there you go ah, look at that yeah um so did you 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 felt that you couldn't talk to you to your wife because because of what if she hadn't have just given birth but which I know is going to be difficult to kind of um put yourself in that frame of mind because it was a completely different setup but if she hadn't have just given birth would you have still felt able to talk to her about your your problems
2: um probably not I didn't have words for it I didn't know what I was experiencing and like sometimes like the really bad episodes they blow in they blow out you know
1: yeah can you remember it now can you kind of recall and are you able to articulate now how you were feeling then or is it all just a bit foggy
2: it's hard to it's hard to find the words I suppose yeah really um it but yeah it, it would blow in and blow out so I'd have like an awful hour and then afterwards I'd be like what the fuck was that? You know, like, it was like, what just happened? Seems to have passed. Oh, hopefully it won't come back. You know, that was kind of the, that was the kind of the thing, you know, it's a case of wake up in the morning. I would put both feet down on the floor and I'd think, right, what sort of day is it going to be today? And some days I'll be halfway down the stairs and I'd think, hmm, I think we're going to be all right. And other days I was like, Oh shit, today's going to be hard. But I couldn't have, I couldn't have vocalized it. I didn't have the words. I didn't know, you know, I really did think I was going mad and did
1: did you look at it and think that it was some kind of um postnatal depression that the that that dads can experience did you look into that
2: afterwards i did yes yeah so like this kind of like i'd spend about four years in this cycle (laughs) um and it gets a lot worse before it gets better but um it when I first started doing therapy I was like oh yeah it must be postnatal you know it must be um, that sort that sort of thing and it's only through continuing that work that I've been a bit like oh no hang on this was more of the straw that broke the camel's back rather than you know so
1: rather than the start of it it's yeah um, yeah yeah,
2: it's very much kind of um yeah the way the best way I can say I suppose is that yeah I just couldn't absorb this life-changing event of having a having a child and I had a lot of problems around my identity and how comfortable I felt with my own identity. And then that just blew the, blew the doors off. And once that, that lid is off that box, you just can't, you can't cram these things back in. Eh? You just yeah, can't certainly. do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh.
0: So when did you first reach out and speak to somebody?
2: Um, not for a long time. So that continued through the rest of 2016 um going into 2017 my wife fell pregnant again we had um, two babies really close together and so like little meg was due in december 2017 and so it got to october 2017 so 18 months later and we went on like a little holiday it was our last little holiday the three of us you know before we was four and um it was just a disaster man like i was so stressed and it was just horrible 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 i was horrible to be around and one night when the baby was in bed, we were sat chatting and Kim said to me, like, you're not right. You know, we've been t- we've been together a long time by this point. And she was like, there's something wrong with you. I don't know what it is. You need to go and get some help. You know, could you go to a doctor? Could you go and do something? Um, and I was like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm not going to go to a, a doctor, you know, because again, still worried that I was going to get sections. And I thought, well, I don't, what am I going to say? You know, I don't even know. Um so, but I thought, no, I'm, I will take some better care of myself. You know, I promise you. I said to her, I promise you I'll fix this. I'm going to go away and I'm going to fix this. And I started doing more yoga and all the stereotypical things that people say are good for your mental health. Well, they're great for maintaining good mental health. But when you're mentally ill, they're not always the best. But I didn't know that. So I started spending more time in the gym. I, I went running. I messed about with my diet. You name it. Like you, you, may, you name it. I've tried it. You try I've been a vegan. I've been a veggie. Like at one point I was like pricing up flights to go to Peru to do ayahuasca. I searched. I absolutely searched. I did absolutely everything. And um, yeah, none of it worked. But um, so, yeah, I still wasn't asking for help. I still wasn't asking for help. Um, Just to kind of like fast forward it really by December that year. That was the first time that kind of taking my own life entered the picture. Um, and it was just before Christmas that year that I, just, I sort of left the house with the intention of of not coming back, um, and that that didn't happen. But that scared me enough to start therapy. So in January twenty eighteen was when I started doing therapy, and that made a big difference. That helped a lot. <laughs> that, that helped a lot. Yeah, yeah. Did
0: how quickly did you see a change?
2: Um, what through starting therapy? Yeah.
0: Um,
2: well. It, it, it got my head above water. That's what therapy helped me to do initially. Is it
0: medication as well?
2: No, not at this stage. No, okay. no, this has to go a little, this has to go a little dark before that happens. But um, it, yeah, so it was, um, yeah, therapy kind of got me feeling okay. So up until that point I was drowning and with therapy's help, I was able to just kind of get my head above the water and suck in some oxygen before I went back under again. And eventually I kind of learned to swim um and I'd have good days and bad days and um it's really weird to say it now but we just bumbled along like that for ages you know for ages and then some days I'd wake up and it would be awful um yeah it was yeah it was awful awful for my wife more than anything you know I think the kids would
0: paint me a, a, a bit more of a sort of picture of I woke up and felt awful like how would that sort of manifest itself in a day
2: so I would just feel um It's a bit like, it's a weird analogy, but it's a bit like being in a bubble and I'm in this bubble, like one of them Zorb things that they have at the fun fair, you know, and I was, I'd be going through life in that. And it would be like, everything was slightly detached from me. Every, like there was this barrier between me and everything. And I I didn't care about anything. You know, like I, I, at one point I went for a bit of a phase. Um, it was before I was self-employed and I was working. Um, I used to work for the NHS and I used to go in for a phase of getting in trouble at work because they'd say, oh, this really needs to be done by this deadline. I'd go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And inside I think, oh, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't care. You know, I just, I really didn't care. could They could have fired me and I'd been like, yeah, sound, whatever, man. Didn't like this job anyway. And it, it, I just felt like detached from everything. I didn't care. And just, yeah, fed up, stressed all the time um my temper would explode over the smallest things so i'd go to the cupboards really wanting a cup of tea and there'd be no tea bags and i'd go fucking mental like proper you know like smash the cupboard door mental and like i'm not an angry guy it's not in me i'm really laid back and but i this was that was how these i was burying it down it's like um pushing that when you go to swim pool and push the beach beach ball down and it pings out over to one side, that's what was happening with my emotions. I was suppressing them and then they just come roaring out in one go. And I'd like, like trash the kitchen or I don't know, like, just, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's bad, man. Um, but yeah, that's how I could, that was like day to day. And then some days it would be good. And, you know, I wouldn't feel like that at all. And I'd feel like a really good dad and I'd feel like I was on top of it. And then um, yeah, other days i just think I don't want to be here anymore. I'm affecting my wife. I'm affecting my kids like I'm doing, you know, I just felt so worthless, I think it was the only way to, um, there's so much self-hatred there. So, so, so much safer, um, self-hatred. We ticked on like that for a long time. Yeah, a long, long time.
0: So, talk a little bit more now about the sort of process of, of recovery and, and you know, and and feeling better.
2: Yeah, so I carried on like that for another couple of years. We get to 2020, pandemic comes in. I was one of those people. I was born to be in a global pandemic. Like, I know it's not cool to say, but I had a really good time. And all these things about life that don't work for me, all of that was gone, you know? And for the first time ever, I got really like, I got a chance to slow down and think and just figure out like all the things that I was doing in my life that didn't work for me. Um, and I doubled down on my therapy during that period. I was going every week and I kind of had a lot of realizations, did a lot of good work, started to change that voice in my head. That was the biggest thing for me. The first step to getting well, um, was changing that voice in my head. I described to my therapist once, like how I talked to myself just normally to me, it was completely normal. And he was like, what? Well, how How would you feel if someone else spoke to you like that? And I was like, oh, I'd be so upset. And he's like, why are you doing it to yourself then? And I never thought about it like that. And I was just like, oh, yeah, of course. You're like, why, you know, why do I use these words to myself, you know? Um. So, yes, I, I started to understand. And then I could start to break that cycle. You know, I could start to think, no, don't think like that. And I had all this time over um, a year over these lockdowns to just kind of chill and figure it out. Um, but I wasn't able to change anything. Right. So when the world started again, I jumped straight back into doing all the shit that didn't work for me. And, um, it, it, I, it, I wouldn't go, I went back, I was back at work about two weeks and, um, I just started getting really, really, uh, really, really poorly. Again, I was in therapy and, um, Sean, my therapist, he said to me, like, what you are saying to me now is not right. This is not, this is not right. I need to intervene. Something needs to happen here. Um, what you need more time. And I was like, I've just been off for six months. What do you mean? I need more time. He was like, no, you need to, you need to figure this out. It's getting out of control. Um, and he said to me, what in your life right now is non-negotiable. And I said, Kim and the kids, he said, right, cool. Everything else goes. So I closed my, closed my business again, came off work. And, um, I just kind of just chased that recovery full time. Really. You know, I just, I did lots of walking, lots of thinking, lots of therapy, just resting up, just trying to figure out what I was going to do with myself. Um, And again, it didn't work because I was focusing on everything external. So I thought I could yoga my way back to good health. I thought I could meditate. And because of my my personality, because of that drive I mentioned at the start, if I was going to meditate, well, I was going to meditate the fuck out of it. Do you know what I mean? Like (laughs) if I was going to the the gym, I couldn't just go to the gym and train. It would have to be this monstrously big session. But then in my head, I'm saying stuff like, fucking come on, you can't. Come on, you pussy. Do you know what I mean? That's how I talk to myself all the time. And I've just got sicker and sicker and sicker. Um, and then in October, um, things were really, really rocky. Me and Kim were really like kind of, we just didn't know what to do. You know, we were just fucked. We didn't know what to do. I was off work, no money coming in. I'm just getting poorly. You know, we've still got the two kids. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, so I need some time. I can't be in this house. Like, you know, I, 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 this is, I need to go. So my fer- my family are from Wales. Um, and I went to go and stay at my mum and dad's for like a long weekend. And I came up with this idea that when I said goodbye to Kim and the kids and drove down to my mum's, and then when I left there, I could say goodbye to my mum and dad and drive back to Kim and the kids. And I'd have this window where I'd said goodbye to everyone in my life, all the, like, the top tier people. And I was like, boom, I've got four hours here. You know, if I'm going to go, this is meant to be, you know, I felt, that's how I felt. I felt like it had been put in front of me, this amazing opportunity to make all of this stuff stop and, um, and that, that was the plan, you know, that was the, that was the plan. I was good to, I was good to go. It would have been a 23rd, I think it was the 23rd of October, 2020. And the, the day before I was drove to, I went to drove back, I went to caught up with my auntie and, um, it was my auntie, Chris, and she's only like 13 years older than me. And we've always been really, really close. And we had, she kind of approached me about mental health stuff before, um, she's a nurse and she's an occupational health nurse. So she works in a factory of 500 blokes. So she's used to kind of like looking for men who don't, aren't doing very well. You know, that's kind of what she does. And she saw something that day and like we just started chatting about it. And, um, and she started talking about medication. And to this point, anyone who'd mentioned medication, I was like, nah, no, that's not, that's not for me. You know, that, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to be stuck on it for 10 years. It's going to make me fat. You know, all this, all the stereotypical stuff that, you know, that you hear. Um, And she mentioned meds and she told me about her experience she'd had with, with medication. Um, And yeah, it just, I kind of thought to myself, do you know what? If I'm going to check out, my kids need to know that daddy tried everything. And that's the one thing I haven't tried so let's, let's give it a whirl, you know, let's, let's try. I've got six weeks. I'll give myself another six weeks, you know, which, um, it, I don't know. It sounds, it sounds so much more dramatic than it is because with like suicidal thoughts. That's so common that you kind of talk yourself out of it and find different ways to, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to do it. I'll just get around to it next month. You know, like it, it just, it just becomes a thing. Um, so yeah, so around the doctor. Uh, got some pills. That was dead, that was dead quick. I'd done so much work. I said to the doctor, oh, I'm experiencing this, I'm this, da, 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 da. and she was like, Yeah, cool. Like this sounds like textbook. Um and the medication worked like so quick, like within 48 hours, um, which is not supposed to. And I, I had for the next month I had all the side effects, problems with my sleep, with sweatiness, um, nausea, all that sort of stuff. But they kicked in so quick. And even now I think it was a lot of placebo effects probably, but I think I was so desperate for, for help and help that was like, you know, I could hold onto a box of tablets rather than like, Oh, just go, you know, just go sit in the yoga studio and (laughs) close your eyes for a bit. You know, it was something tangible Mm. help. Um, and they kicked in. And within like a couple of days, I felt like 10 years, 10 years younger, you know, and, um, Christmas that year, my wife said to me, she said, I've got, I feel like I've got, I've got my husband back for the first time in years, you know, it was dead. Um, it was dead nice. Yeah.
1: What, what was it you took can i ask yes certainly oh that's what i'm on that's what i'm on so what would you say sorry Stu, i know i know we haven't got long but i just i really want to jump on this because i know so many people personally very close to me um that have got a huge block when it comes to meds exactly the same as you you know for, for whatever reason and i'll be honest it was the same for me there is just some kind of i think it's because it's the last um what am i trying to say it's like the ultimate, you know what, I can't do this, some, I, I need some kind of external input. Because even therapy, obviously, you're getting help, you're talking to somebody else, but a huge amount of it comes from you. I always say to somebody, if you're enjoying therapy, if you're not exhausted afterwards, you ain't doing it right. So meds, it is, it's like, I've, we're done here, I've got nothing else to give, I'm giving up. This is, yeah, it's, it's kind of handing that responsibility over to somebody else. So what would you say to somebody who has been struggling for however long doesn't matter if it's been decades or a couple of months um, they've tried things they've been you know they've spoken to their gp their gp suggesting meds and there is this big hang up this big personal block whether or not they've known someone that's been on meds and they might have had a bad experience whatever it is what would you say to somebody who is still like against anti like anti meds what would you say
2: um, it's really tricky, isn't it? Because it's such a personal, mm. such a personal choice. And you you're spot on there, um, Kirsty, like I was, that was the thing for me. I didn't want to admit that I needed them because then I'd have to, it would start this chain of events that I I didn't want to start going down that road. And it was almost safer to know where i was where i was was awful but at least i knew it that was my yeah. reality you know but the
1: devil you know than the devil you yeah don't, that's you know.
2: it yeah my wife did everything she phoned the doctor i spoke to him she went and picked up the prescription she put the first one in my mouth and i had a swig of swig of water and i started sobbing i was in tears you know oh, I, nice. weirdly i felt like i'd <laughs> like i'd lost you know like i was giving up on myself but yeah it was the opposite i was backing myself exactly but um oh, it's hard it's such a it's such a personal choice i think the There are so many different types and if you try one and it doesn't work, you can get another one, you know, and uh, you know, you can speak to your GP and get all the details going. Just information is key. The best thing someone said to me was um, if you're going to take this medication, you might as well become an expert on it. Yeah. You know, and I just read everything and I don't, you know, I wasn't watching like, you know, YouTube videos, or I read proper like medical textbooks and stuff to find out what exactly is this stuff how long can i take it for are there any documented side effects because quite often people would say to me oh yeah i took like you know i took meds and i couldn't get off them and all this you know giving me medical advice and i think well i won't take like raising children advice off you, you know or like you know say oh i put on loads of weight it could be all the burgers you eat as well as taking your medication you know like there's so many different factors you can't listen to one person you have to go to an expert and i suppose there's
1: this there's this idea that you don't want to become dependent on them or some people say to me you know they're worried that you know they do get these what you know particularly for me you get these wonderful highs and lows and I just I was worrying about kind of plateauing and I did for a bit and then um and then I just became a bit more of myself again um but you know for anybody that's worried about becoming dependent on them and not being able to manage and not being able to come off them um I mean do you have like a date in your mind do you have like a circumstance where you go right once I've got this done then I'll look at reducing and then eventually coming off. Or are you like, you know what, fuck it. I'm, I'm on them for as long as I need them. And there we are.
2: Yeah, I'm actually in a process. I started earlier this year of, of coming off off my meds. Um, and that was, um, you know, I'd be quite happily taken for, forever. I've got no, um, you know, no problem with that. Certainly nothing against that. And mm. if I need to go back, I'm, I'll jump straight back on. There's no problem there. I just felt like I wanted to try it because like medication for me allowed me to do all the stuff that made me well meds didn't make me well they put me in a position where i could start to care about myself they put me in a position where i could start to learn about myself and change my situation change the things i didn't like that were negatively impacting me and now like i've made those changes i feel like well you know, that, that feels like enough, you know? So I waited for the spring because I thought, well, you don't want to do it when it's dark at four o'clock and life's really boring and cold, you know, wait for the spring, the sun's coming out, life's getting more exciting. It's festival. See, you know, like all these things are happening that are, are dead fun to be around. So I thought I'll save it for, for then. Um, and I'll just do it really, really slowly. Um, started with a new therapist to kind of double down on therapy just to make sure I've got the kind of, I'm in the bubble, you know, I'm being looked after um, to kind of understand anything that, that comes along. And yeah, I, was, I started off going, uh, every other day, did that for six weeks. And I'm now like every third day, I'm sort of two or three weeks into that. Um, so I'm, I'm working on it. So yeah, if you want to come off, them, like you you can, and if you want to take them forever, you can too. That's fine. Like it's so much more important that you're well, you know, no matter the stigma, no matter what anyone says, no matter what people tell you, you know, collect all that information for yourself from good sources and the most important thing is you're well, and nothing else fucking matters, man. Nothing.
0: One of the things that has come from you feeling better is a podcast. And tell me where that the kind of concept and and decision to to, to be very open and public about, um, because for somebody that felt that they couldn't talk to anybody, to then throw it out to the whole world and 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 to also speak to to other people about you know how they're feeling like how was that initially and was there like a a a big decision to go do you know what i'm i'm just gonna you know show my vulnerabilities and i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna just talk about this like what how did that come about
2: um quite sort of slowly and organically really um somewhere through all that mess i was just talking about um i saw a video on instagram that someone like quite a well-known person had done um and he was talking about his own experiences with mental health that was the first time ever i'd seen someone talking about it in a way that i felt seen i was like wow that that's my experience there in a nutshell and it was so um so powerful until that point i felt really alone the only people i saw talking about it with people that I couldn't identify. They weren't from my world. They, you know, and like, of course, everyone who experiences this stuff, it's all relevant and it's not, there's no scale to it, but I'd never saw me in these stories. And this was the first time I was like, wow. And I, that, it was really important to me. And I was still quite poorly then. And I just banked that. I just sat on that. And I was like, there's something in that that felt really special. I watched the video about four times. And, um, and then, yeah, as when I was off work, as i was getting better i've got a mate who has had some um uh mental health problems and off the back of it he started doing charity and so because of the work i do i um was filming some videos for him you know that he was using with the people that he works with um so i work in a movement space and i do like yoga and these sorts of things so i was filming him these videos and while we were planning this we'd go for a walk grab a coffee chat about what he wanted me to film that week and we just started talking and i would never done it before i'd never spoke to anyone about these experiences i would never sat face to face with someone and had them speak to me about their experiences and it was just lovely and it was so um so healing and it became really important to me and we sort of said oh you know maybe we could we could do something with this i just kind of thought it's helping me so much could it help someone else thought, oh, maybe we'll just throw them up on youtube or something and um i really didn't want to do a do a podcast i was kind of thinking like oh man too like two straight white blokes talking about depression the world does not need like more of (laughs) more of this stuff right but we were just going to put them on YouTube and then it kind of thought oh we might as well do a podcast and um and then he couldn't commit to it so he kind of stopped doing it but once we'd done a couple I was kind of I was hooked absolutely hooked and a way of chatting to people about these things and um I mean it's very easy to talk vulnerable vulnerably about it one with a screen and two like i never assumed anyone would listen like that never ever thought i thought maybe like i did two in the morning someone stumbles across across it and goes oh my god i feel seen like you know and it just buys someone 10 minutes that was always the, uh, the aim um and it just yeah it just kind of snowballed from from there you know and
0: it's and it, and it's, in, it's an incredible podcast tom and you, and you like you, uh you're really really fucking good at it as well <laughs> Like, you've got a, 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 a very instantly calming nature where I think when I guested on, um, uh, uh, when, when you come on my podcast, sorry, it was the most vulnerable I'd ever been. It was the most open I'd ever been. Uh, and it I'd never spoke to anyone like that. And it was only through you starting that conversation that, you know, we've since picked back up on that and I've made huge lifestyle changes, you know, from from speaking to somebody that I didn't know. Um, but I think to to form a connection with somebody so quickly is testament to how good you are at what you do.
2: Oh well, um yes, that's that's lovely. That's a lovely um yeah. Oh you touched me there, mate, to be honest. But um yeah, that's really, really nice. You know, I suppose it's all them years being spent as a gross people pleaser. <laughs> <laughs> to manage my anxiety is, is paying off. But um no, that you know, that that's lovely. I love it. I absolutely um it's been incredible for my mental health, the whole process of speaking to other people, learning from other people, connecting with other people, shared human experience, you know. And I always say we think of mental ill health as this separate thing. It's like this, like this madness, this hysteria, but it's not, it's normal human emotions and feelings they're just on steroids they're just a little bit out of control you know and um when you talk about these things with other people i, I do think something something magic happens man and um yeah I, I just i just want to do more of it i just want to i just want to do more of it when, when someone goes first it gives everyone else permission to speak and i'll do that i'll go first every time now you know
0: um i guarantee that our listeners are, are, are 100% going to go and uh check out uh, the podcast now what's the podcast called we should actually uh we should throw that <laughs> it's out called here,
2: proper we? mental it's the proper mental podcast
0: and 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 tom if you was to say to a, a new listener like go to the very beginning and listen all the way through by all means but if you had to go do you know what if you want to get a taste of this podcast how i set it out in my mind how i'd liked it to have been this episode is a really really good Good showcase for it, and I'm not suggesting. I know I'm not asking you to pick your favourite kid, but like, but you know, but if you were to go this one, start here, and then you really get a feel for what this podcast is trying to do. What would there be one that you'd, you'd sort of champion now?
2: Yeah, and depending on what day you asked me, I'd probably pick a different one, right? But there's, there's one, there's probably two that jump straight to mind. One I recommend every time someone asks me that, and it's just one of the ones. It's probably not one of the most listened to, but it's the one I've had the most feedback about. The more people reached out about this one than any other one. And it's one I did with my wife and we went through my experience from her perspective. And I think that's missing from a mental health conversation, because when you're poorly and you're smashing your kitchen up and crying everywhere, that affects the people that love you. And um, I think that that felt important. You know, we just, we set the mics up, we sat at the kitchen table in our pyjamas, kids upstairs, and we just had a chat. And I told her stuff that I hadn't really told her before. And I'd never really sat eye to eye and asked her, well, what was it like for you when I was doing all this crazy stuff, you know? And I I think people seem to get a lot out of that. That's one. Um, And I suppose there's one that I put out around about Christmas time with a guy called Michael Byrne. And he runs an organization called let's um, lived experience trauma support and michael has had the most unusual life that you will ever hear of his story is incredibly sad and we were both um same as yourself kirsty but we were both going through it at the same time so there's three of us in may 2016 um but i heard michael tell his story somewhere and um it runs almost like parallel to mine um and very, loads of similarities, babies born at the same time, all this sort of stuff. Except his story is like something that's been made up. And my story is just about a bloke who, you know, wasn't living very authentically and probably should have been taking better care of himself, you know? And yet we both, neither of us spoke up. And I didn't spoke, speak up. One of the reasons, because I just thought like I wasn't, like who would care? It's not a big story. There's people out there who need real help. He didn't speak up because his story was so big. He thought no one would be able to, identify with it you know and there's we just kind of feel like even that it could not be more different our experiences, but we really connected over talking about it and that's a lovely episode he's a lovely lovely bloke and he does great work so yeah that'd be um that'd be a good one yeah michael burn
0: wonderful and people can get the podcast in all the usual places right
2: everywhere mate yeah everywhere you like
0: we'll put a, a link to the podcast in the show notes of this episode as well so people can find it with one simple click um other than that there'll be lots of awareness for this episode uh on the reach out socials with the link included um tom it's been it's always an absolute pleasure getting to talk to you and uh and yeah i i, I definitely think um moving forwards um with with what i do with, with Kirsty at, at, at reach out i definitely think there's there's more things that we'd be able to to look at working together on and uh yeah i'm i'm speaking without even speaking to you here Kirst, but uh i uh i i, I think it's uh it's, it's a given that we'll, we'll definitely do something moving definitely. forward.
2: Oh, yeah. well, I would love that. I'm always happy to um to help and get involved in absolutely um absolutely anything at all. And yeah, it's wonderful, wonderful what you what you're doing, and wonderful that you're shining a light on it this way. And it's just, uh, I think that's the look, when people are poorly, they just don't know what's out there, right? I knew that they were. I knew what the Samaritans were. I never would have phoned them um that was about it you know and there's so many amazing organizations like you know like reach out that are just out there in the community helping the people around them and um and you just don't know about them Mm. you know i think the the next step in mental health awareness is spotlighting highlighting these people you know we can moan about the system that's broken we can moan about it but that don't change it right but there's people outside that system who are doing incredible things and let's signpost them and let's send people to them and let's sing about them because um that's To me, that's a big part of how we change change the world. You know,
0: perfect. You're good at this, mate. Cheers, Tom. (laughs) Thanks, loads, mate. Thank
2: you for having me. Cheers.